And we are live. Hi, Lennon. How are you feeling? Hi, Lee. Great, great being here. Thank you. <laughs> you're very nervous. I don't know if you're more nervous than me. I had to give him a little rundown of just relax. Pity that they took the whiskey out of the, uh, out of the studio. I didn't have a, a shot before the show. But those of you who are listening live, welcome to the first podcast episode of my new show, Bareback Stories. Thank you so much for being here. And to my amazing guest, Leonard Lowe, thank you so much. You're actually sitting right next to me because we're having techie challenges and we're sharing a very um, sort of phallic-looking microphone, aren't we? <laughs> oh, it's really cozy. And Stick it's, it in uh, your mouth. Stick <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> oh, it's, really, it's really cozy right here next to you. It's great to be here, Lee. Thank you for being here. We're going to get to the um, the book in a second, but what I want to do to introduce you is tell everybody, well, actually ask. So I was thinking about how to introduce you. Um, how do we introduce Leonard Lowe? What do you get when you take one part multimillionaire corporate CEO, all right, mix in two parts playboy with a lifestyle on Clifton Beach, Sprinkle in copious, copious amounts of cocaine, MDMA, ecstasy, fuck, I don't know, weed, booze, chicks, sex, drugs. Was there rock and roll? I hope there was a lot of rock and roll. Sure. <laughs> um, sprinkle a hell of a lot of that. And then mix it up with this incessant, or top it off with this incessant... <clears throat> Gut-wrenching, stirring, chatterboxy voice that won't <coughs> shut the fuck up, that's in your head, it's in your gut, it's pervasive, and it doesn't let up for a very long time. And as much as you're trying to ignore it, and as much as you're trying to ignore it, it gets louder and louder and louder. Until you basically say, fuck, fuck it, right? And you jump. And then we discuss how you jumped. Is that a, is that a good analogy of what we're going to talk about today? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't have uh, summarized that better at all. It's a beautiful summary. Yeah, that's it. That's pretty crazy, huh? Well, you wrote an amazing, amazing book. Leonard Lowe has just launched his first book, which has been published um, by MF Books, Joe Berg, Melinda Ferguson, called Jump, a memoir. And man, did you jump. I have to say, and I'm not just saying this because you're my first guest, um, I couldn't put it down. I, I finished it very quickly. Um, it's, it's called an epic travel and soul adventure. Okay. Um, so let me start off straight away with my first question. Okay. This is the first question. So many people are going to say, oh, oh, shame. A rich motherfucker who had all this money to just give everything up for five years, travel the world, do what he likes, have orgies, have sex parties, <clears throat> meet chicks all over the place, have, have um, the ability to um, have an, an unending smorgasbord of spiritual journeys and more drugs and try everything, do everything, and then came home and wrote a book. Lucky him. <laughs> you're sweating give me your hand so so we can so i can basically say i know that you came and you were looking to be finessed and you were looking to be um romanced 
into this first into this um, question answer yeah, yeah. F- first question and uh, here I am um, I just shoved you up against the wall and and hit you with the first one <laughs> but 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 uh, in my defence because. Uh, the listeners can't see us. I am holding your hand. I'm going to hold your hand throughout this whole oh, experience. So what do you say to those people? Because that's probably <clears> the <throat> first um, initial attitude, judgmental attitude that most people are going are gonna to have towards you and towards this book that you've written and this experience that you've had. Yeah, no, it was a pretty crazy, crazy time. And um, yeah, you know, the, the, the thing is that breaking away from all of that stuff, you know, was 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 really really tough it was really hard um <laughs> so the rich motherfucker went through some really really um tough times so put us in the picture let's go back let's let's put the context down for everybody who's listening how did you start so you were you were in the corporate world making loads of money just give us a background i mean you were happily married you had children you had a good relationship with your wife as far as i know a good relationship with your kids making loads of money before we get to the Clifton pad and, and, and all that, just your life, your background, how, how it all came to be. Yeah, I very much was enjoying what I was doing, you know, business-wise and work-wise. Um, on the business side, oh, really flying. Uh, and I, was, I, was, I had been divorced for like, uh, uh, good God, I don't know, 10 years or so, but great friends with my ex-wife and her husband and, you know, great relationship with the kids, you know. So on that front, really beautiful, a beautiful support structure from really my... No, my <laughs> my ex-wife, you know, so um, and the rest of the family. So it was all cool. I was going out with a girl for four years, um, living in uh, Johannesburg before I came down to the Cape. Um, and, you know, all was flowing. You know, there was no, <clears throat> you know, emptiness in the space. It was like very much in the, in the flow in my life. And when I moved down to Cape Town, you know, like all hell broke loose. Like it was like a perfect storm, you know, so... Got here down to do, start a new business down here, um, and um, at the same time also split up with 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 the girl I was having a four year relationship with. You know, I didn't want to start another family. She wanted to, so there was no way out. You know, so we we broke up, um, and uh, yeah, new city, new job uh, from from the from a, a relationship space to being single, um, and then also just this shift that happened. You know, this this internal shift that happened inside me. So. All those other things added, but the internal shift is the thing that really created the, the dissonance. When you talk about that shift, you talk about that voice, <clears throat> that incessant voice that just wouldn't shut up. So that only really started, correct me if I'm wrong, when you moved to Cape Town after you'd broken up with your girlfriend and then the party lifestyle started, or did it start before the party lifestyle? No, very much, very much all, all of those things, all, all those changes at the same point. And at the same time that that happened, you know, this voice, in all fairness, that, that voice probably started in, talking in Johannesburg already. And I was already starting to feel, is this what I want to do f- going f- further with my life, you know, in, in the business and the career front? And up until then, I, I, I loved what I was doing, you know. So, so I, yeah, no, in hindsight, I can give you all, but I want listen going to the hindsight now. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Um, in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense now what happened. But at the point in that point in time, I, I had absolutely no fucking idea what was happening. Um, so that so that shift, that voice just started, and then because of almost resisting that shift or that voice, the pain and the emptiness started. You know that 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 was it. So, did you literally just? Was it a feeling when you talk about the voice? Was it just a, like a, you suddenly started <clears throat> to feel empty because you had all the money in the world, a great job, you? You got on really great with your employee, employees. You were very fulfilled there. You had 
two children that you loved and adored and had a good relationship with, a good relationship with an ex, a loving relationship with a, with a, with a new woman in your life at the time. So nothing was really wrong in your life, but you just started to get this, this gut feeling. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what's so crazy about it. You know, that's why I thought I was going pre- pre- uh, pretty mad um, because, you know, I would just like walk into, into the business space, you know, and it was, it was a great environment. You know, the people was like a really nice informal space and created the business like, you know, like we wanted. And, but I, I, just, I just felt, you know, I should be doing something else with my life and up until now it was great fun and, you know, it was just that I, I should be doing something else. You know, it was just like a, a feeling, you know, just, a, you know, I, I, I could almost describe it as a, a out-of-skin feeling. I often, you know, looked at myself as if there was this camera in the corner of the window uh, of, of the room um, <laughs> looking down at me and I was looking through that camera at myself playing this movie of my life and it just didn't feel authentic. It didn't feel as if I was in my own skin and I had always been in my skin before, you know, I was always, I was always, always a little bit, you know, out of the box, a little bit crazy, a little bit maverick, you know, that's the businesses we always had. But I myself always felt into, in my own space and in my own skin. Um, but this actually made me feel out of my skin, you know, I was like really quite a big disconnect. And that disconnect then like, fuck, what the hell, what is this? And then I tried to drown that out. And, you know, drugs, sex, uh, a lot of women, um, all of that helped a bit. Were you in that space? I mean, because you'd been divorced for a while. So the party, the party <clears throat> lifestyle that ensued in Cape Town and in this Clifton bachelor pad that you had, and that's how the book pretty much begins. It's not a very long part of the book. It's actually how many, how many pages? Not even what? Yeah, about, tw- yeah, about 30, 25 pages. 25 so, to so. 30 pages of this smorgasbord, this orgy of, of life trying to drown out this, this voice. But it's, it's very, very, um, it's so well written and it's, it's, it's exciting and it's hysterical at the same time, not, not, not to take the piss out of you. But I mean, I'm just, I'm just thinking here, you know, just, you know, for, for the women listening. So, you know, you're picturing this, this, um, this one night where you've got like three naked chicks on the coffee table and you've got another one, I don't know, you've got a butt in your hands or something like that. There's candles everywhere and someone's hair gets a light and there's mayhem and we mustn't forget the jacuzzi. There's always a jacuzzi because Leonard has an, has a, has a, a huge love for, for jacuzzis. So there's always a jacuzzi and, um, you know, this, this party goes wrong, but I'm just thinking it's, it's, it's always, it's more than not, it's, it's the, it's a man's bachelor lifestyle or, or, or party lifestyle that is written about or, or spoken about, but there are plenty of women like that, you know, there are plenty of women who can, who can um, appreciate and, and um, wonder what it must be like to, to reverse the whole situation. So just give me a minute, Chef, I just um, take a moment and just imagine. So let's me, I'm imagining, so now there's three naked guys on the coffee table and I've got a man's butt. You know, and and they're about in my hands, and someone's hair gets on fire, and this. So you know, it's just so that the girls can have a have a moment as sure, well for themselves and enjoy themselves. <laughs> but you know, it, you so that party just that party life actually only started in Cape Town. You you weren't really involved in that. You weren't a sex addict or 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 a, or a much of a drug taker or a party when you when you were in Joburg and making all that money. No, not at all. I was in a, in a like a three, four year, almost four years relationship um, and we didn't take any drugs. <laughs> We'd have like a few glasses of wine or, or over the weekend, you know, and, um, 
And, you know, I was fully, totally faithful to the girl I was going out with, you know, so, um, and I was focusing on my, on my, on my job and, you know, we had fun, you know, we had a lot of fun and we were touring overseas and, and, you know, she and I had a lot of fun, but definitely not in a party space. So that really happened when I was, was coming down here, you know, and, uh, so it was, as I say, a perfect storm, you know, all, all of this happening and, uh. Yeah, no, that first 25 pages of that book is packed. I mean, it's packed with a, it's only 25 pages, but it's packed, you're right. But what, what do you think, what caused you to suddenly just like want to go mad in this? Did, do you know consciously why you suddenly decided to just like dabble in that lifestyle? Well, I always loved sex. I mean, so sex was my, my go-to, I, th- I think, I suppose. <laughs> so the alcohol and the drugs was just, uh, just, just uh, you know, facilitating it, to be honest with you. It was just really making it easier and giving you energy, but... Um, yeah, you know, some people, you know, so, so I, I had to, I, I was resisting this, this shift, this internal voice, you know, there are different ways you can resist this voice. Um, and a lot of us have this and we resist it, you know, you know, sometimes the, the, the sex and the drugs and the alcohol get the bad rap, but you know, you can also work yourself to death and it's the same thing by resisting the voice. You know, you can be at, at work until late at night and the whole weekend do emails and not even speak to your family or go, you know, I don't want to be hard on the, uh, you know, the you know, mountain biking guys, but anything, mountain biking, yoga, um, running, jogging. Now go for like 10 hours on a Saturday and 10 hours on a Sunday and then in the week. You know, so so, so basically, um, I think there are many ways to, to drown out the voice, you know, drug of choice, you know, as we speak about in the book, my drug of choice was just, was, was, was just sex. <laughs> just sex. <laughs> and um, no one's knocking you there. But um, look, and not to jump... F- um, very far forward because when you talk about someone's drug of choice or that addiction, everyone, most everybody seems to have an addiction of sorts. And yes, it doesn't have to be something that um, is a chemical that is known to be sure. illegal and unhealthy and can make you sick sure. or kill you um, because stress can kill you too from work, etc. and, you know, not living your truth. But, um, and, and it's, there's a part in the book much later on and I almost waited and I was waiting for another ship to take place for you to come to start to realize and understand another part of yourself, which I found because of um, who I am and, and what I've studied and what I personally find fascinating. When you started talking about how you, someone explained the numerology of, of you, of who you are and your number. And cause I can go straight away to understanding that three, that addiction number, you know, okay. your birthday, which is, you know, part of the whole astrological numerological um, journey, which, which um, I, have been on and I love talking about, but the fact that you got there was, was an amazing little um, um, scenario in the book. I must tell you, I really enjoyed that because it 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 humanized the experience on another level. Even though you weren't taking something or having a um, a, um, a spiritually enlightening experience or or a physical experience, you'd be surprised how that um, really grabbed me and would have um, a lot of people who understand when they look into the numerological and astrological understandings and pinpoints of their DNA, how um, fascinating that is. But I digress. So um, you, so we're going to fast forward here. So this is going on and going on. And there's a part now, as you're winding up this section of the beginning of the book, where you're taking these solo strolls on Clifton Beach, which is one of the most magnificent beaches in the world. I haven't traveled nearly as much as you, and I know you've traveled the world, but um, you, you have to agree. And that loneliness, that sadness, that feeling of, is this it, just 
washes over you like a tidal wave. I mean, the way you write about it is quite sad, um, which is that like that knock, that knock on that gets you to say, you know, and then do what you do, which leads you to give it all up, which is what was fucking, I mean, people must have thought you were out of your mind. How did your family um, handle that? Yeah, no, I mean, just to talk about that, that walk on Clifton Beach, I mean, that was just crazy. I mean, yeah, that's, I agree, that's fuck. I mean, I've been in 35 countries all around the world. Now I was there on, on between 4th and 3rd Beach, you know, like, and I was you know, walking those beaches, and, you know, that, that setting is just unbelievable. But, um, yeah, I just, uh, that, I call that my crushing uh, rock bottom Clifton walk, you know. Uh, it's just the one day that I walked. I mean, I had many of those where I kind of felt like that, but this one day it was specifically bad, and uh, it just hit me that I looked at all the stuff around me, you know, the, and you know the white sand and the turquoise water and the table mountain eye up and all of that, you know, and I write about it in a book, um, and kind of realizing that this this must be beautiful. People are talking about that this is beautiful. But I couldn't see the beauty of it, uh, of it at all. You know, it just totally went right over my head. I was like looking at it and factually, okay, I can see, you know, almost like a robot, you know, like a robot would look at humanity and like, is this something beautiful? And, you know, it's, you know from an from objective point of view, uh, potentially. But for me, I couldn't see the beauty. And that's where I almost had that, you know, I just had, uh, yeah, my, as my gut was clenching, my, my chest was contracting, and I just knew I was in big shit. Um, and then, yeah, you're right, people thought I was pretty pretty crazy. Uh, um, and, and one hand, they thought that, and the other hand, um, I must say, I, it, was, it was also a lot of, lot of support. Um, but, uh, you know, from the people close to me, but broadly speaking, people that didn't, even the people close to me didn't really understand what was happening. No, I can imagine a lot of people um, listening to you <clears throat> talk about that and thinking, you ungrateful bastard. <laughs> you have everything. You're in one of the most no, beautiful sure. cities in the world. Sure, and, and, sure. and that comes along with the, the whole idea when you're yeah. living in a, in, in a, in a situation, when you're in a situation, you're living in a way where you're not present, where you can't find the gratitude and the joy Sure. You know, it's interesting that that word comes has been coming up a lot for me in the last few months. But the joy in life, um, so many of us at least go through a, a, a moment in our time in our time here, or a longer a longer time um, where we we are struggling to find that joy. Yes, exactly. And you know, you, you're talking about you know, so, so people often kind of. Oh, yeah, kind of. They, they miss this this thing, you know. And I, 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 they look at people with a, with a lot of with a lot of lot of money, and I, I specifically don't actually have that anymore. I gave that back, most of that back to universe before my start of my my journey. You know, it's in the book. Um, but just but just broadly speaking, you know, I know a lot of people with with loads of money, and you know, some of them the most miserable people, you know, on the planet. You know, internally, you know, they might be might actually be nice with other people, but I can see they're very sad and and. And miserable. So, frankly, money's got nothing to do with it. I mean, yes, you need to have a, at least something to to eat in the day and have a, and have a warm shelter. But um, you know, there's a nice shelter there down the road there in Kalk Bay. I walk often walk past it, and I'm looking at it now, and I'm thinking, oh, I could slide there. I could stay there if it's nice and warm there, and have something to eat. You know, so I'm jumping maybe right down to the to the to the end of the book. But you know. So, so uh, you know, I, I, it's so, so so much more beautiful to be where I am now than sitting with funds and sitting with loads of money and but the deep emptiness inside. And I think a lot of people, you know, people, especially people that don't have the money or feel that other people that have load, loads of money look at these people and think, oh, yeah, you're lucky bastards. But, you know, they don't know that it's t t totally irrelevant. It's irrelevant how, what, how much money you have and what your means are. 
um, past a certain level of existence, it's totally irrelevant. No, I understand. And we spoke about this when we first met. And, and, and let's not um, let anyone get us wrong here. Money is energy. Money is positive, And it's how sure. you use it. And it's always sure. the mindset and consciousness behind it. And yes, definitely. It, you weren't saying, oh, fuck it. I don't care about it anymore. Give it all away. And it, I know sure. that you appreciate the fact that because you had an amount that you could, after giving most of it away, um, sustain yourself yes. on this journey for almost five years. It was very... Um, you were very aware of that um, gift. Oh, for sure. I mean, a huge gratitude. I mean, I talk in a book about it. You know, a lot of people didn't. It doesn't have this 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 opportunity to take like five years out and and just travel the world and learn a lot of stuff. You know, learn a lot of shit. You know, and be able to to pay for that and do that. So, it's immense gratitude of doing that. You know, and obviously worked a lot of years to get to that point. But um, yeah, I know for sure. But you didn't. Or let me ask you this: Did you? Did you? Because you, you lived a very simple existence in all those years. You didn't um, travel five class in oh, five no, star no. places. Did you consciously decide that you were going to just go on a on a voyage, a travel experience, not knowing where you were going, where you, and how long you're going to be? Very simply, you wanted to do it very simply, um, or did you find yourself that you had to because you'd given all of it away before you decided to take a, fi- a long journey? Frankly, when I when I left, I didn't know what the fuck I was where I, what I was doing and where I was going. And you know, I just like got on a plane and I knew I had to break out of the comfort zone, go overseas. And okay, you know, the voices told me, you, got, you know, move out all of the old for the new to come in. So frankly, I didn't st- stand start with any preconceived ideas. But as the journey st- carried on, it just became less and less important to me. And I mean, to be honest with you, I wanted to stay in hostels and not in uh, you know, expensive hotels, even if uh, you know, n- never mind just the money part of it, but. That, you know, and those expensive hotels, you get these boring old people sitting there and they then want to talk to anyone and they complain about everything. Um, whilst in the hostels, you, you come around, you can't come in contact with the real people in the country and the travelers and so on. So, uh, and as a traveling, you know, in, in, in the first month or two in, in South America, I was still taking taxis here and there, you know, every now and then, um, here and there. Um, but but at a later point, I wasn't, you know, I was really like when I got to India and Thailand and later on also in. Uh, in South America, I mean, I stayed in, in hats with like mattresses on the floor. I mean, I, I was in Thailand. I could have stayed like two years later off into the journey. I could have stayed not for not for, only for a few dollars a night, you know, like five, ten dollars a night. I could stay in a hotel with white floors and, a, and an aircon, and I didn't want to. I just wanted to be at my hat on the beach, on the stilts with my mattress in the, <laughs> on the floor in the corner, and this little basic, what well, I had a bathroom, I had a basic bathroom in, in, in the back, and you know, they need hot water, it's so warm there. So I, it just felt so much more authentic to me. I just loved that. I just loved being so close to nature and so close to the people. So I'm sure a lot of people are wondering why. Why did you feel it necessary to give all your money away? So couldn't you have, I mean, you have kids. You wanted to leave a legacy to them. You know, this is how people mostly think. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm surmising here. And um, why not just um, <clears throat> give, give a lot of it to charities, uh, start another trust and put it away and then, you know, take what you need and go on a vacation. Why did you have to actually liberate yourself completely, fundamentally, of almost every cent that you had worked really hard for many, many years to earn? You know, pr- no, practically, I, I gave it away by, by selling a lot of properties at the bottom end of the market. You know, so that was the practical part of it. You know, so 
Um, um, uh, yeah, and I knew that it, it was, you know, I was very good at calling the property market, you know, in the, in the waterfront, I bought properties, and I said, well, double in three years, you know, which it did, you know, in, in early 2000s and stuff. But I, and when I left, it was right at the bottom of the cycle, and I, um, I, and I knew it was going to double again, but I, I just took that view to, to do that because I just felt it wasn't that important to me anymore. And then, you know, as far as legacy concerned, I don't actually believe in legacy. I don't think we're here to leave a legacy for ourselves or anyone, actually. We're just here to experience life. <laughs> so I don't think, you know, and I had the same thing with my parents, you know, when they wanted to start a trust and stuff. And, you know, and I said, what the hell, what the fuck do you want to do any of that? I mean, just live your life, spend the money, and, and, and which they did, you know. So I also don't have any inheritance coming my way. And the same with my kids. I don't want my kids necessarily to inherit anything. I think they must, they must live their but life do you, alone. Do you have, sorry, do you have that attitude now? Because in hindsight, or did you have that attitude before when you were making all your money? And did you, have you always had that um, uh, Ideal. Yeah, funny enough, Lee, right there when I left, I kind of maybe not articulated as I articulated it now, but I had that feeling, you know, I just had the feeling that it's not important to me. But I always had that feeling about the legacy thing. I was, I, was, I never could get that when people say, let's leave a legacy. I, I, I still, I never really could get that. I, now I really don't get it at all. Um, so, um, yeah, so that was just the, the, the space that I was in at that point. Um, it was kind of just easy to... Yeah, to do that, it was kind of not important. Okay, so now, now we're going to jump right in. Yeah. You're at the airport. Yeah. You've got a one-way ticket. To, did you buy a return ticket? And where are we going? So no. where did you go? One-way tickets. I mean, a uh, one-way ticket to Lima in, uh, in uh, Peru. Why? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so this is pretty crazy. Let's give the short or the long, long story. Whatever you want. Okay, I was on my way to New York, actually. I, I, was, I was going to, fuck, you know, now in hindsight, I can talk about, you know, all the rising and constant, all of that. We're probably sure we'll get to that later. But let, let me take me back to where I was then. <clears throat> I was just pretty, pretty confused, you know. I was like, fuck, you know. The, the voice told me, clear out all the old laughs for new to come in, which I did, you know. And, and my first reaction was, I'm just pretty bored with this business we're in, you know, you know. Direct insurance 20 years ago was like new and was novel and so on. But by then everyone was starting to do it, you know. So I was thinking, maybe I was kind of getting not kind of old hat, you know. So I was thinking, you know, maybe I'm just bored with this stuff. I should look at new businesses and new ideas and stuff. So my idea was go to New York and study new innovation there, um, look at, you know, businesses, maybe go study something at university there, you know, social media space, marketing space. Um, amazing, huh? amazing well, we think, you know, amazing, you know, our, 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 you know, when we when we only work from our mind rather than from our emotions and our feelings, then then we can only look at what 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 is in our history and what is in in in, a, in, in our mind behind us. You know, so my mind tried to solve it, and so therefore it just looked back, and all it could look at is business back, and then it projected that forward. Okay, it must be new business, and then it turned out to be fucking to something totally different. Um, but yeah, so that was the start of it, is I wanted to go to New York. Uh, and then I saw the temperature charts. It was like sub-zero uh, temperature, which is a bit flipping cold if you're from Africa. So I thought, fuck, that's not going to work. Um, so I thought I'd go to, to, to Southeast Asia or South America, because uh, the Southern Hemisphere, while summer, and I'm around about by May, I'll be in New York. Um, and, um, and then it was very much, okay, flip a coin between the two. And then I went, okay, well, I was always fascinated with the Incas. So let me go rather South America than Southeast Asia. And then I went, okay, um, I would love to see Machu Picchu. And then I went, okay, so we, where the fuck is Machu, Machu Picchu? 
Then I went on Google and I checked, okay, it's in Peru. And I went, okay, how do you get to Peru? You fly to Lima. As simple as that. So I bought a one-way ticket to Lima and I landed there at 2 a.m. On, 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 on the one Tuesday morning. And now you're in Lima and you got to get to Peru. So, and you don't know a soul, right? Yes, I mean, and, and the beauty of it is I, I arrived at 2 a.m. In, in the morning and I, fuck, it's amazing. I, I, I just knew I didn't, I, on this journey, I shouldn't plan anything. You know? So I had no hotel booked. I just arrived at 2 a.m. in the morning, uh, got the closest taxi, and when I walked out and just said, take me to the Miraflores area, because I know that was close to where the Spanish school was. And then we just found a hotel there, a nice budget hotel that I that I that I went that I stayed for the for the first week. So absolutely funny enough, that the voice just told me right from the start, don't plan anything, just surrender to life. And I was reading a few books about surrendering to life and the spirituality space. I didn't really get it, but I kind of got that you know maybe not planning stuff is a big part of this thing. So um, yeah, that's that's an essence. It it's uh, I arrived there without any plans. But the one thing you did do was, I know you took books in your, in your, in your knapsack, <coughs> in your backpack, but you, you stayed um, on social media. You stayed connected to friends on Facebook, and you started blogging, right? That's right, yeah. When I, when I wasn't even on fa- Facebook, well, I kind of, I think, was on it, but I wasn't, I think, for a few months, and I, I, was, I was never using Facebook at all. I mean, I wasn't interesting enough that five years in Cape Town, I had more interesting things to do than being in social media. I was high on Oh, we know. Politics. We read about what you were doing in Cape Town. <laughs> oh, those five years was really, I couldn't imagine sitting on, on social media when you're on the deck. And it's amazing your body never gave women. up. Beautiful women around <laughs> and lots of recreational drugs. And, you know, it's amazing. My, I don't know. My body is – I was in the best physical shape of my whole life. I mean, you know, I was – Is that because of all the fucking? <laughs> yeah, I think it's all the fucking. I mean, uh, it's, it's simple. I think it's the best exercise ever. I mean, it's great for your core muscles. It's, you know, it's great for your six-pack. It's <laughs> great for your heart lung capacity. It's it's really, really good for you. Um, well, we're going to get to an, We're gonna get okay. to that chapter. You know we're coming to that chapter. Okay. Just a little bit. We'll get to that chapter. Carry on. Okay. I've totally forgotten where we were. We're in, we're in uh, South America. Okay. Oh yes, you were saying the best condition of life. Yeah. Oh yes, yes, yes. So, and 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 I was, um, yeah, I was also training a lot, you know, and doing a lot of other stuff. Um, okay, so you were saying in South America. Yeah, South America was, um, you know, I would just spend the first week there going to to the to the Spanish school um, and studied Spanish. And then I was talking to you about staying connected on Facebook about, you know, then you started to blog because yeah, that's, that's right. actually the essence of how you translated all of that and came to write a book. Great. Thanks for reminding me. Um, yes. Yeah, this is what the drugs have been to your, <laughs> that's your, right, your no. memory. <laughs> that's what the, putting me back in the drug sex kind of memory has totally thrown me out of that. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. It's that before I left, you know, the the, the girl I was going the girl I was going out with was uh, and my friends, my buddies were saying to me, you know, please go on Facebook so that that we know you're still alive. And then she actually looked me up on Facebook and showed me how Facebook worked, and <laughs> I really wasn't into any of this stuff. Um, you know, the, in the week I was running a business and doing emails and stuff. The, the, the weekends I didn't really want to look at any screens, you know, so I, it wasn't in my space. But yeah, so so that's really interesting. So then I said, okay, what I'll do is I'll post where I am and I'll, and I'll put things on there, but please don't expect any comments or me answering any questions or comments or like even looking at it, you know, And which is kind of what I did, you know. People would ask questions. I wouldn't really even, I would just put it there. But that actually became fascinating because then, you know, I started almost blogging of my of my travels in South America, um, where I was and so on, you know, and, and every week or two weeks, you know, not regularly. 
Um, but then later on in the journey, I started going to these crazy beautiful workshops and then I was starting to talking very openly about that. And then people were just going, wow, wow, this crazy guy from Cape Town is doing all this interesting kind of stuff. And then I shared that and then people started following that. So learning the language was very important to you, obviously, because you wanted to be able to uh, have a conversation with the, with the locals, which was very <coughs> admirable because a lot of people don't care. I didn't give a fuck. They're like, if you don't speak English, well, then, you know, we'll use sign language or like piss off. I, I don't want to talk to you. Right? Why did you feel you needed to learn the language? You didn't know how long you were going to be there. Good God. I mean, in South America, if you can't speak Spanish, you're a little bit fucked. You know, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a fascinating continent, you know. I mean, English, you, anywhere in the world, almost you're okay. I mean, if you go to, um, even in, 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 in the East, in Southeast Asia, you know, most places you're fine. South America... If you say yes or no, people go like, what? You know, they, they, they don't understand, you know, they, you know, they, it's as simple as that. People don't speak English in that, in that continent, you know, um, um, broadly speaking, you know, so you really have to learn the, the, a bit of Spanish, you know, so, so, so that was one part and other part is, fuck, I, for some reason I always wanted to learn Spanish and it's amazing how these things work, Lee. I mean, like 20 years ago when I was working in the, in, in the UK, I almost started studying Spanish there. Why the hell was I going to do that in the UK? But it, it's always called me, you know, so it's amazing how these synchronicities and these things work, you know, so it's always been a call. Um, so, yeah, so it was just great. I wanted to really connect with the people by speaking the language. And to be quite honest with you, they're beautiful women in South America. And, you know, I wanted to talk to them. And, you know, there's no way you're going to, you know. Now, obviously, then I got, you know, we'll probably talk about the celibacy thing. But then the celibacy thing came in. But I also thought it was important to talk the language, you know, to, to, to interact with the people. You know? I can just imagine all those first uh, words and sentences you wanted to learn, all those pickup lines. But to just impress them, eh? Did it work? Did it work? Come on. <laughs> No, 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 I don't know. <laughs> don't I was terrible. I was terrible with I the language. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. You didn't need language, Lennon. You didn't need the language. So, sign language. So, um, let's fast forward a bit. I want to ask you about that first because you didn't know or you weren't interested your whole life, basically, about understanding more about the esoteric world, the world of spiritual wisdom. Um <clears throat> You said you dabbled, you, 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 you read a few books or brought them along on this trip. But when was that first face-to-face -face moment where on, on your travels, whether you were still in uh, Peru or not, where you can say that the, the world of mindfulness and awareness started to resonate with you? Started to really start, not be, you know, not not so much integrate, but just started to resonate. Where you didn't roll your eyes and go, "Oh God, this person's a bit of a you know, wacky." Yeah, it's fascinating. Maybe I can just mention before I left South Africa, the last six months when I was here, I was I was I started reading a book, uh, "The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari," right by Robin Sharma, and that kind of helped me a bit. I mean, to 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 actually leave and to leave leave the stuff. So so, and I was starting to read Paulo Coelho books, you know, when I was over there. You know, so so in some way, these these callings and things were coming to me, and like in a, in a subtle way, I suppose. Um, but then to answer your question in terms of South America, um, <clears throat> very much when after I got got very ill with the parasites, um, and I was fucked. You know, I was like a lean foot, lean eighty two kg when I left South Africa. I was really, really in great shape. And it was <laughs> wasn't not just the six. I was doing martial arts. I was doing boxing. I was swimming in a swimming pool at a, at. A, at the uh, um, you know at the gym and doing workouts and you know during the week I didn't party I only partied on the weekends so, you know, so I was in the best shape of my life 
And then in Ecuador, I got parasites and they'll drop 10 kgs of pure, pure muscle, you know, not just muscle, you know, like from 82 to 72. So by the time I got to Guatemala, six, seven months later, I was, you know, the, the things were eating me up alive. I had four courses of antibiotics and the antibiotics were going to kill me before the, the parasite, you know, before the, the antibiotics, you know, were going to kill the parasites. You know, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. It didn't do a dent in the parasites. And uh, then I arrived at this, uh, the lake, Lago Atitlan, uh, Lake Atitlan in, uh, in Guatemala, this beautiful lake high up in the mountains. And there someone uh, asked the guy at the hostel there, is there anyone here that know natural course, you know, um, remedies for, for parasites? Because I was g- given up hope with the normal, normal remedies. And then he just told me about a guy around the co- corner, Dr. Bill, you know, go and see the guy, you know, he's quite famous there in the village and deliver kids and you know, a shamanic guy and from a North American Indian tribe, but also do- a, a medical degree and a, uh, um, a master's degree in psychology and all of that stuff. And in any event, when, when, I, when I arrived there at Dr. Bill's place and he just looked at me and he pointed to my stomach and he said, oh, I can see the energy leaking there. That's where I went, what, what the fuck? You know, normally I would have been out of there because, I mean, for me it was about, you know, is, is it physical, is it tangible? That's what my left brain, you know, that's always, always been my life, you know. Um, but I was so damn desperate that I would have ran around the lake and it's a pretty big lake, you know, a few times if you told me that and stand on my head, you know, was, if that was going to help. Um, so, yeah, so I just listened to this guy and, you know, out of that, you know, a few things followed, you know, that he, that he told, told me and referred me to. And, and, and that's really where, where things started, started changing. So now with that change, obviously when you first got to South America – and you were traveling and you were learning Spanish and meeting people and having, and it was beautiful and it was warm in summer and swimming in the ocean and living in hostels and meeting all different people and women, hopefully. Uh, I was meeting women, but I wasn't doing anything with them. I was, I was, I had this kind of crazy celibacy space. So now how did the celibacy, how did the celibacy grab you and take hold of you after having come out of this sexual uh, what, what dream world that you were uh, living, you know, just a few months before. You hit South America, you're traveling now, you're single. You want to sure. meet chicks. Sure. You said that's why you want to learn the language. Yeah, sure. And now you're sure. suddenly going to be celibate. <coughs> so how did that happen and why? Yeah, no, it was very clear that, I, you know, that was part of the journey. And you know, I even went to do salsa dance classes, you know, so, so to um, – you know, to be able to at least socially interact with people and with, 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 with women there, you know. In South America, if you can't dance, you're also a bit fucked, you know. You have to speak the lingo and you have to be able to dance. Um, so, um, yeah, so, so that was, that, that was uh, very much the space that I was in. But, you know, I arrived there in January, Lee, and, and it was amazing, you know. I, I just didn't, whenever I would interact, you know, and, and I was staying in these hostels with a lot of beautiful, you know, women around, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people there, a lot of really amazing people that, that I met on, on along along the road. Um, but you know, I would I would I would just have the interaction, have a discussion, and on the physical side, I could feel like you know, wow, I'm you know interested in, in to interact here. And the moment it looked as if it was going to anything physical, I would just I would just emotionally withdraw, and. You know, my soul would draw, my emotion would draw, and I would actually, and the, the 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 chicks would feel it, and they would go like, "Okay, that's weird," and 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 I couldn't ex- explain it. You know, so it wasn't a mind thing. You know, it's easy to say, "Oh, I made up my mind, I'm going to be silly." It wasn't. It wasn't. I, my mind never decided any of this. 
it is just this strong inner voice that became so loud. You know, when, when I, and I talk about the voice there in, in the book in page 2030 about surrendering to the voice, you know, to leave everything and to go on this journey. So the same voice was saying to me, um, hey man, you know, take it easy, you know, you know, back off a bit and, you know, take, take a break. So I was just listening to that voice. And so that's how that happened. You know, that's how I, uh, it just happened that I, that I, and eventually I kind of stopped interacting with women because they thought I was playing games, you know, <laughs> I'm like talking to them and then I'm just withdrawing, you know, but it was, a, it was an amazing thing, you know, in hindsight, I know it makes a lot of sense, but then it was also very confusing. Now, of course, I was just going to say that it must have been a very confusing time because it's not like you had impot you know, impotence and the desire had always been there and the desire was there on a level, but on a deeper level, sure. it was on a soul level, a way, do you, well, do you think that this voice, your time had come where you actually had to, the healing that had to take place on the, the emotional, physical, spiritual um, levels in your body um, was such that you needed to actually preserve yourself physically, sure. parasites aside. Oh, sure. was, were you even aware of the fact that that was your healing that was actually starting to take place? Or were you so confused about feeling um, that you needed to stay celibate even though you wanted to be with the woman? Were you scared? I wouldn't say I was – yeah, maybe no way I was scared. I was, I was definitely confused. So to be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't, re I didn't understand it as healing. Then I mean, in, in hindsight, it's very clear that's that exactly what it was. But then um, I didn't understand it. You know, maybe there was some softer voice saying, you know, this is important. I mean, that's why I followed it. You know, I mean, it was easy to override that. And in my journey, you know, in that for two-year period of celibacy, there were phases that, that I did override it. You know, in media, you know, I overrode it. Um, and it's in a book, and you know, after a week of that or two, I just went, "Fuck, yeah, no, this is okay. I'm overriding this, but this is not what I want." So, so for ninety nine percent of the time, I, I was listening to the voice, or, you know, for the whole period, and um, it was hell of a confusing. Then, now in hindsight, it's, it's crystal clear. You know, I, I had to, to to integrate my own inner feminine. You know, I had to stay away from the outer feminine. I had to go this deep inner journey. So. And this leads you to studying and coming to experience tan tantric sex and tantra. And what did that do for you? Because you'd never, you'd never uh, been interested or, or, you know, worried or wondered about, you know, a lot of people have this voodoo idea about tantra being, oh, it's like, you know, this, this, this sensual massage and then there's no um, orgasm at the end of it. So what the fuck's the point? And it's like boring and you just go on and on and on and you like breathe and you touch each other and then, oh, you know, what does it do for you? So, I mean, <laughs> when you were first introduced to this and when you started to meet people who were experiencing this and doing workshops with Tantra, uh, did you also, did you kind of have the same sort of mindset and just think, hey, can we just like, you know, I just want to get in there and get on with it and like, you know, <laughs> have a good time and give a good time. No, it, it was actually crazy. It was actually when I, when I arrived there in, um, in Hawaii, where I did the first first of, of these trainings. And then um, it was broader than, than just Tantra. They used Tantra, a lot of Tantra principles, but a lot of other stuff also. And um, I referred to them as the transformational school, you know, the TS school in the book. I've changed the names. Um, and um, I must say it was kind of homecoming. It's really interesting. It was, uh, sure, kind of actually feel a bit emotional thinking about it. Yeah, it was a homecoming. You know, you were, you was people that, that kind of in a way could understand what I was talking about. So even though I had those crazy times in Cape Town, you know, I was also 
making love for two, three, four hours. You know, and, and even the girl I was with before, we were making love for long, long hours. And a lot of people couldn't understand this stuff. You know, my friends and, you know, men don't talk about how to make love in any event to each other, you know, <laughs> apart from, oh, yeah, I did this and that, and, you know, more like a one-line boast. But they, they, they don't really go into the sensitive detail of that. Generally speaking, it's obviously a generalization. Um, so, yeah, so I didn't really know that uh, – I've never spoken to, to any people about it. So when I arrived in Hawaii and I was the first the level one training there and it was actually a Tantra festival the week before that, I came, and came uh, into contact with a lot of these people. And a lot of it was, now, was like eye-gazing, you know, like for five, ten minutes staring into each other's eyes. And I was like, what the fuck? This is pretty crazy. <laughs> and uh, – but I've always been a tactile person, so it, it's interesting that came so natural. I mean, I actually just slotted in. I mean, some of the people said, wow, is this your first one? I said, yeah, you know, but I just slotted into the space. Um, and, 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 you know, then in the, in the seven-day initiation workshop, you know, it just, it just flowed. And, and there's people that I could then talk to about a lot of the stuff that I've been doing. And I, so I was doing, you know the, 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 you know, the orgasm without ejaculation, you know, before I even heard the word Tantra. I mean, it's just pretty, pretty crazy. I didn't even hear that word before, as strange as it may sound. Um, and then in Hawaii, I went to the Tantra festival, and then I was speaking to people that, you know, have the same experiences um, that I had when I was with my four-year relationship, even before the party days. Now, in the party days, it was even easier because some, you know, recreational drugs make it even easier to do that. So a lot of that, that Tantra stuff, you know, you want to call it that, um, was uh, stuff that was kind of present in my life, you know. So that's why I'm saying, "Fuck, this is such a magical universe we're living in." You know, the synchronicities and the threats and the stuff that 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 that's there is just crazy. I agree. So <coughs> I want to go back to something you said just a few minutes ago about not having anyone to speak to when when this when the celibacy took hold of you and you started to be a little scared and not understand what was happening to your body on a physical physiological level and and your mental um, level. Um, did you speak to anyone? Did you have anyone to share with and open up to as a man, as you generalize and said that d who don't usually share their feelings, share their worries, share their, especially when it comes to libido and the body and everything. Did you find any, anyone you could um, have that type of a relationship with on your travels or, or anyone from home? No. Did you, and did you share it on your Facebook um, pages in the blogs? Oh, not at not at that stage. I mean, that, that's before the the learning started on the on the, on the workshops and stuff. So I haven't <coughs> up to that stage. I was very very little that I shared on a personal space. Um, so um, yeah, there was no one really to talk to. You know, no one on the travels. No one, no one back home. Oh, God, I was there. You know, no one to speak to on that basis. Um, I mean, I mentioned that to Doctor Bull when he <laughs> talked about the energy. He actually said that to me before. He was and it's in a book. You know, he was actually just before I said anything, waved his finger in my my. You know, in front of my face and said, you know, and you must get laid. Now, after he told me about this energy leaking, I was, what? How did you know about that? And I told him about this, this experience. And then he introduced me to, uh, you know, a, girl, a, a, a woman uh, uh, living around the corner. I mean, I dubbed her the, the, the English girl of the lake. Um, changed the name, Grace, the English girl of the lake. She's a very close sister now uh, in, my, in my travels. And uh, I discussed that with her. Um, and yeah, she gave amazing, amazing advice. You know, she she didn't she couldn't explain what it was about, but she did say it is important to self pleasure. It's important still to masturbate, even if you don't have sex. Fuck, and I must say that that has been that was an amazing learning, because now I can understand how people can get blocked from their sexual energy. Because I was celibate for so long, I also started going. You know, a sexual guy like me, I was starting getting a little bit disconnected from my sexuality, and I would walk in the streets and see some, you know, pretty 
women around and I wouldn't necessarily are interesting. I wouldn't like almost as if my sex drive became less. Um, so her advice that, you know, to, if you're celibate, still to move your energy around in your body and to masturbate and so on and to self-pleasure was actually beautiful advice. You know, so I, I took that up. Um, and um, But I still, you know, I still had that bit of that, that disconnection happening, you know. So, so yeah, in, in, in a way, it's a, it's a beautiful learning, you know. And I, I can see people around, you know, around me and I can see the blocked energy and it's, it's easy to happen, you know. The moment you, you disconnect from sex, sexual energy for a long enough time, it almost goes away. And you, and, you know, then afterwards you don't know what you're missing anymore. And it's such a critical, important part of our life, our creativity. I couldn't agree more. And I've had many of these conversations with friends of mine, male and female, who've gone through breakups, et cetera. And, and you know, we've, when we go through divorce. And when you, when you started on this, learning, um, on this learning path and you start to learn about the chakras and, you know, the seat of uh, the foundation of our bodies, that root chakra, that base chakra, and then the sacral and the solar plexus and, and that kundalini energy that we have to um, keep flowing. And through masturbation and self-pleasure and moving, even if it's just exercise and movement, the creativity yes. flows because those are the chakras and those are the, the, the parts of our, of, our, of our physicality um, and our bodies and our emotional states because it all, it's all connected and our mental states that um, allow for us to heal and allow for us to create and allow for us to find a way to um, begin again and find the next path, the next journey where we're meant to go. And when sure. you cut that off and you deaden it, yeah. then it's, you, just, you, you almost cut yourself off at that place of where you left off, in pain, in sadness, in fear, in ego, um, and not understanding that, you know, you've got to keep walking through that tunnel to get to, you know, the next light that shows you where, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to sound so over philosophical here, but, you know, you've got to get through that darkness. You know what they say? The only way out, the only way, um, out is, is through. So Fuck, it's beautiful talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking to you. That's beautifully good. You're very kind. Thank you. But I want to um, share with the listeners. I want you to share with the listeners because yeah. you started to write poetry and you write beautifully. And there is a poem because you had a wonderful experience in Prague. It's a very important part of this book. And um, for those of you who are just tuning in or, or, or listening, please go out and, and, and get this book. Leonard Lowe's um, first book he's just written called Jump, a memoir. It is Incredible. It'll make you laugh. It'll actually bring you to tears and it will make you think. It really will. And you wrote a beautiful poem and I'd love you to read it for us. Here, let me get the page. Can you see? Yeah, cool. Sorry, just that previous point. Fuck, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm, I'm going to talk about that for another hour or two. Just that what you, what you, what you mentioned there. I mean... That's crazy, and I know, you know, because I've been so close with this stuff over the last few years, I can see that, you know, it's amazing, I can actually see it in people's energy, after like one minute talking to them, I can feel it, women, not just women, men also, and I can feel whether, I'd probably pick it up in women more than in men, but you can see the blocked energy, and you can see, you know, that it doesn't matter how much yoga and stuff, and I'm not knocking yoga here, but how much other stuff you, 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 you're doing, if, if you don't get your life force energy moving, you know, you are not maybe living your full potential. Okay, so I... <laughs> Move on to the to does, the poem. Does this poem have a name? Did you did you no, title it? No, you just no, wrote it. No, not okay. No, not not really. It was okay. just um, when I was in Prague. You know, I was in one sunny day in Prague, sitting next to the street. Um, I wrote down my thoughts and published them on my journey update on Facebook later that day. Um, yeah, so I read that. <coughs> Thank God for leaving my life in Cape Town three years ago. I didn't know what I was doing 
or why, but I knew I had to. Had to jump off the cliff. No parachute, no wings. Just threw myself off the cliff. A leap of faith. Falling. Falling. Trusting. I knew I had to bolt my wings on the way down. And fuck have I been building. Because I didn't want to die. I didn't want to splatter myself on the rocks far below. But I had time. Because this was a fucking high cliff. The highest, scariest one I could find. And I've been building, growing wings, slowly at first. I was still plunging head first, faster and faster. Then the wings grew stronger. They slowly started to break my fall. Stronger, bigger they grew. Until I realized I wasn't falling anymore. I was flying. Well, more like gliding. But now I can feel the power in my wings. I'm slowly starting to flap them. My God, they are powerful. They are starting to lift me. Am I, am I starting to soar? I know they are going to get even more powerful, beyond my wildest dreams. They are lifting me higher. Yes, I am flying. Yes, I'm starting to soar. Now, what, what brought you to write, the, write these words and write this poem about growing your wings and starting to fly? Because it's, it's more than halfway into the book. It's, it's you know, closer to three-quarters of the way through. Yeah, it was just gratitude. It was just gratitude for, um, you know, when I was sitting there in Prague and I was sitting next to the river and I was like, what the hell? I was sitting next to this beautiful river, this beautiful city, beautiful buildings, you know, and, and a beautiful inside, you know. Um, <laughs> a lot of beautifuls in that sentence, but yeah, it was just, it was just beautiful. Um, and I just felt so much gratitude for that. Um, and I compare that to my crashing walk in Clifton Beach, you know, and on the outside, living the life, having everything, but on the inside, you know, being pretty empty. Um, and so it was mainly gratitude. It was just gratitude for making that jump. You know, uh, of course, you know, we can talk about jumping or we can jump. And, and I kind of made the jump and, you know, and, and I was just very grateful for that. So now I'm going to back, backtrack a little bit because you didn't see your children at one point for correct me if I'm wrong, around 11 months? That's right. And that yeah. wasn't planned. You, you wanted to, because you had the money oh, yeah. to at least bring them in on some of the travels sure. and you were going to connect. No, sure. So, because I know, I mean, later on, and you had this beautiful experience with your son here back in South Africa as his almost like a coming of age after he left school and everything, taking mm -hmm. him on the, and you had, you know, you've had these amazing um, times in the Karoo, which we'll get to. But um, that, might, that must have been really hard. But what you did was you, you almost committed to becoming, from everything you were learning and everything you were integrating and everything you were trying and all these, you know, even, even um, the, you didn't do ayahuasca though. You no, did, did. You, you did, but you, yeah. the, the mush, that mushroom journey is, is something that was far more. Um, yeah, I was, okay. yeah, the ayahuasca was very much more, I, I did it more to clear, clear the parasites out right. in South America, yeah. And then uh, the, I did a San Pedro journey in Czech Republic and then the mushrooms in, um, in, 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 uh, in Ireland. Yes, what I meant was that had a more profound yes, um, effect right. on you because you were in that space already. When you did ayahuasca, it was just like, oh, yes. let me just fucking dry anything to get rid of these <laughs> bloody parasites. I can stop losing weight. Yeah. But um, you you started facilitating. You joined the, the, the group 
and you started facilitating these journeys for other people. I mean, when I read, you know, the one the one journey when you when you're all in the group and you go and you have um, this experience where there's a whole lot of you and you pick your partners through, a, a, you know, a clever way that you, you so no one can just judge. You yeah, have to, you know, match it. your plant or your flower or your yeah, or your right. chosen um, rock, and you're going <coughs> to now yeah. have an experience with a complete random stranger of the opposite sex, and you're going to have this tantric experience i mean there are a lot of people no matter what you've learned no matter how long you've been traveling no matter how open-minded and how much you love sex or whatever to be with to to share intimacy with someone that you don't know is is hard enough for for the most evolved people i don't you know i really don't care what anyone says that's my opinion because you're it's a very short space of time. You have no, you have no time to to speak or, or 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 really understand their energy or who they are on any level, let alone smell them. And you are you are facilitating an experience, and you've got to take yourself out of a place of judgment and fear and embarrassment and humiliation, giving and receiving. Sure. I mean, sure. you, you almost <coughs> reading, and I almost felt like you know there's a part of you who want to run how these people don't run away no exactly i mean it's it's pretty crazy you know you yeah you, it's, very, it's very much sim- as simple as that you know you're walking in uh in uh in the room and the music is playing and like you know when you stop you know um uh okay the person that's in front of you that's your partner <laughs> or or even worse than that is like okay find a partner you know Oh, that's good. That's, that's pretty, pretty, pretty crazy, you know. So, so even for me, it was it's really tough, you know. So it's some of the, these these trainings that I, the seven day, it's like a seven day training that like from the well, from like eight nine in the morning till ten at night, you can do it for six seven days and thirty forty people uh, in that, and you go into deep vulnerability and uh, and it's amazing the stuff you know that you do, you know. I mean, I, I and I, I'll be honest, I'll, I'll, I agree, Lee. I mean, it's, it's probably the most out of my comfort zone I've ever been. It's the most I've been stretched. You know, I, you know, I went to the. I was still in that in that generation where we had to go to the army and all that nonsense. And I, you know, studied a lot of stuff at university. And I like you know, the, and I was in you know cutthroat businesses. I've, I've been quite stretched in my life quite a lot in a lot of spaces. You know, so I've, I've been in in tough spots. Um, but that's probably the the toughest one I, I've, I've ever been in, and it's because of the vulnerability. You know, you know, we think it's you know tough to face something you know, you know, you know, you know, hard. And um, but the toughest toughest thing to face is, is is a vulnerability space, and that that is hard. You know, so and and, and I've seen the people and so I'm a participant in that space, and later I did a little bit of facilitating also in that space. You know, did some some year in, in with, with two couples here in in down down in South Africa. It was amazing to see where people go. You know, if you give them the power to to decide so, themselves, and but 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 the transformation that you get out of that is amazing because you only when you go deep and when you go into vulnerability that's when you really really get to the stuff. Well, you know, true intimacy is a space where it it almost I, I just when I when I say that word I, I see it as a um as something that sits in the bosom of vulnerability. And most all of us yes. I don't know if no. most of us actually if we were to be brutally honest okay. with ourselves actually, um have 
even in our come to later years and 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 if we looked at ourselves and looked in the mirror would actually agree that we've ever really experienced true intimacy with somebody else or allowed ourselves sure. to go there and that's a very very terrifying notion and that's something i was very conscious of when i read that part of the book because i did i felt like i wonder because i put myself in your shoes and i wonder i'm a pretty open individual mm -hmm. so i think yeah, yeah, no, yeah. um and i'm not afraid to yeah. share my feelings um, <clears throat> and listen to others and, you know, facilitate that space. But I got to tell you, it makes you think like to be in a space where you are allowing such true intimacy with a complete stranger and you are both allowing yourselves to be so vulnerable, yet you feel so safe and so liberated afterwards. But to go through it, it's the scariest most uncomfortable. I mean, I, for me, it was the most uncomfortable part of the book that I'm, that you know, reading it. That I'm sure you, I could, I could sense it from you. Oh, yeah, beautiful, oh, beautiful. No, definitely. I mean, and the same, same with me. Up until my whole life has been like that. You know, I connected with people, but I always kept my some kind of uh, shield around my heart. You know, I've always kept some, you know, some intimacy space. You know, like you know, safe there. And but what I found is that that in in that vulnerability uh, is 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 power and is really strength, you know. And and that's also when life lives through you, you know. So that's exactly it, you know. When you when you when you what I what I found is when I when I, when, when I was resisting that to go into vulnerability and into the intimacy of that, uh, you know, I was living and I was doing my life. But the moment I actually in these workshops and with all of this stuff, where you really push to the to the nth degree to go there you actually drop into that vulnerability, then it's almost as if there's a barrier that's around, surrounding you that, that falls away and life can come more to you and through you. So the energy of, of life kind of, I believe, kind of hit you know, a bit of a barrier around us if we're not getting vulnerable or, 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 int or in, into intimacy. And the moment we, we drop that and we go into vulnerability, then that, the energy of the universe just washes right through us. And that is really what makes us alive. That's what's really great, all this bliss and kind of happiness and this um, full experiences of life. You know, not just the happiness, also the sadness. You feel sadness more intense, but you also feel happiness more intense. But you feel life more intense. And I, I, I believe you can't go there without being vulnerable. No, I mean, look, listen to what Brene Brown, one of my favorites, um, talks about. It, it, it's, and it's scary for men and women. I don't care. It's sure. not just a, a male, a male oh, sure. flaw or, or something yeah. lacking. We're all, you know, the true sure. intimacy. And do you think that if, when you look now, when you look back in hindsight, having experienced what you did with the complete antithesis and the total opposite end of the spectrum with all the sex and the drugs and the partying and the unconscious, um, and I'm not knocking it, behavior, because yeah, sure, there's a sure. time and space for all of it and sure. experimentation, etc. Sure. Do you think if you had never, ever had that life and if you had just gone from being an, um, a workaholic, you know, um, striving to make money uh, like a robot, then, then listening to the voice and then going on these journeys and never having had that wilder side, the impact of your journey would have been different for you? Is it a tough question? <laughs> no, it's a fucking beautiful question. God. No, wow, wow. You know, sometimes we're talking about these things. We, we, it's amazing. Huh? Sometimes talking about these things, our, our learning drops to another deeper level. I mean, you know, you just drop me into another deeper level there. <laughs> no, seriously, it's amazing. You know, no, spot on. I mean, uh, I haven't thought about it exactly in that way, but it, it, it's spot on. The fact that I went to that extreme in that, in that, in, in that, in that sense also brought the, the other, you know, it's almost like a pendulum, pendulum um, swinging, you know, into that, that extent of maybe 
uh, unconsciously, you know, just having sex, and it was wasn't about any art or emotional connection, and and um, and then the pendulum swinging the other way around, where it's now very much about heart and social connection. But as you say, not knocking either. It's all experience of life. I believe we we here to experience um, life. You know, God experiencing God. <laughs> you know, we experience you know, a journey of separation. You know, and a journey back into oneness. And and you know, so so I think by going for me in that space. Um, and it's fascinating. I don't think it's a coincidence that my my DOC, my drug of choice, was um, was sex. I mean, I think there's no coincidence there. I think it's a full-on synchronicity that then later on, a lot of my journey was in a spiritual, sexuality, shamanistic space. Um, so I think experiencing that at that point before I left was 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 actually profound, and it allowed a deeper dropping into at a later stage. Beautifully said, and. I want you to, we're going to have, um, before we close, you read um, a, a beautiful um, section, one of my favorite parts of the book. But before we do, if you wouldn't mind, there's just one sentence. I would like to read your words because sure. it's, it's so beautiful, um, the sentence that you wrote. I believe that an unpleasant emotion or experience is vital because it carries with it a message. Escaping is a missed opportunity to learn more about yourself. That's one of, I mean, that has to be one of my favorite sentences oh, in the book beautiful. as well. That's why I made a note about that. Oh, um, so, because when you were in the beginning and having that lifestyle, you're not, you're not consciously trying to escape. You were just living. You were having fun. You were getting lost. You were, you were, you were, um, doing something you hadn't done when you were younger. You know, you got married, you had kids, you were drive, drive, driving to make money and security and support and, you know, do the right thing. You were a good man. You weren't having affairs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So now you're just having fun and you were in, in all, for all intents and purposes, you were single. So you weren't really, you know, you weren't harming anyone, harming yourself, you know, and, and that's key, you know, so, uh, no judgment there. And, and then on this experience that you have all these years, when, when you, when you had your, there, there's a, there's a moment in the book, um, where you have your son, come and pretty later on he he finishes school because you you didn't see your kids for almost eleven months at one point and yes. and I know that was really hard for you because they're very close to you and it was really important. Did you, did you share a lot of the journey with them? As you were going along, are you that open? Do you believe? I mean, then, not uh, now. Uh, you know, staying, keeping that dialogue and that truthful openness between them because they were younger. Sure. Um, um, did you find it easier? Was it important for you that you you shared everything with them, or did you try and protect them in some in some ways? <clears throat> On the journey when I was overseas, no? yeah. oh yeah, no, different. I shared in quite a lot of detail with them. <laughs> I mean, and the fascinating thing is, they started talking to me about things that. You know, just because like I think they could feel the energy. You know, there's a part in a book there where my daughter, I think she was 15, my son 17, we're sitting high up in the mountains in Barcelona, that uh, monastery up, uh, Montserrat monastery up there, and she was asking me, you know, you know, Daddy, when do you think it's a good age to have sex for the first time? And wow, man, we just had this beautiful discussion around it. And I mean, good God, I mean, uh, and I mean, I was so happy when she asked that question. I kept a straight face, but I was so happy because. Now, how many kids would, you know, ask the daughter would ask the dad that? And it was such a beautiful situ- situation because then we could talk about it. And we had a really like an hour-long discussion about it. And it's a little bit of that is in a book. And, and it was beautiful. So so that this journey deepened in my relationship with my kids so much and allowed for us for so much to be shared. Um, 
And, you know, later on also, you know, they some of the, the discussions that, that, that I had with him, you know, some of them, I think like two years in or so, um, I was having a self-pleasuring discussion with him. And I, I, that was a little bit too much for my daughter. She, 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 she left the room, but, I, but, but my son was really interested. And, um, but, you know, I think she also got a, quite a bit out of that, you know. Um, and uh, so, so, so it's amazing, you know, so it's amazing that I get calls from them asking me, you know, you know, you know very much personal stuff and um so that's great it's just, it's just nice to have that open channel of, of com- communication you know so they're not scared to discuss anything even if it's in a sexuality space with me that's very important and also a, a very important part um your dad your dad being ill and suffering and you're looking at his passing and you know in a very different way did the 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 mindset, the experience help you because it's such a, you know, it's a difficult experience even if you're not close to your parents because, it's, you know, it's a, it's a fact of life. We're all going to die sure. when we ha- lose our parent, no matter what age. Um, I don't know sometimes <coughs> if, it's, if it's harder or easier. I'm still trying to work that out, whether um, if, if you've had a, a, you know, a, worse or, or a worse relationship or a good relationship. Um, I know from from my perspective, I was very close to my father, and I always worried that um, his his death would would be too difficult for me, would be too too um, impactful. And um, but then I came to a point, and also I'd had my my journey of studying and everything, and I was I always say I'm so grateful because from my understanding, I got to a place where first of all I knew he was ready, and he he. Um, he was older, but also that um, falling apart and, and losing oneself in the depth of that despair would have been a complete insult to who he was and everything he, he had taught me is, is how I, how I um, can understand it and, and um, integrate it. But, you know, you write about it so poignantly, so beautifully. Um, it doesn't take away from the pain. Do you think um, the experience would have been different had you not come through almost um, five years already when this happened? Oh, yeah, for sure. No, no doubt about it. I mean, I think I would have been, I think, I mean, I think I would have been sad, you know, that if he died and died and I would have much more difficult to, to would have, um, to, 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 you know, to handle it. Whilst, um, I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but I, I, I don't get sad anymore when people die. You know, it just, uh, I mean, there's no there's no sadness you know that it's a you know there's a tenderness you know and it's a great um um feeling of closeness but there's no there's no no emptiness it's fascinating you know so there's no emptiness that when you whether the day that he was there and the day that he left there wasn't as if there was any change really i still feel him around me you know and and um and that's, I think that's the journey definitely played a massive role, you know. There's so many themes and so many things in this book and in this journey, you know. So the sexuality is the one thing. The other thing is conscious dying and conscious living, you know. So I spent a lot of time thinking about that and, 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 and um, reading about that and working through that. Um, so, yeah, when he died, it was like, oh, okay, it's just, a, it's just changing form. <laughs> Coming from the physical form now to another form, and I'm still in commune with him. And, you know, I was 78 years old, and, you know, he said to me, you know, he was a really funny guy, you know, it was like a real, you know, a traditional kind of, you know, that silent generation, strong, silent man, you know. Um, and he said to me, like, a few days before, you know, I, I, had a, I had a good innings, but I want to be bowled out now. So I respected that. I mean, so why would I be sad if he, if he goes? I mean, I had a beautiful time with him. 
Um, so yeah, so for me, it's 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 uh, definitely it was it was a beautiful confirmation almost of my journey the way I felt you know after his passing. So Leonard, what do you think life would have looked like if you hadn't had this experience? <laughs> I just call sobered you up there. Did I just throw some water on you? Uh, no, <laughs> downer, hey? Are we having a downer? Uh, I took you from that person. moment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're going to keep things, you know, uh, you know, you know I, I want to keep you on your toes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what do you think? Because we've only got a few more minutes. What do you think life would have looked like for you if you hadn't had this epic adventure? Wow. I mean, there, there, there are a few options. <laughs> the one option is I would still be on Clifton Beach partying my, my, my head off, but I probably won't be alive. I mean, I, I don't think your body can handle that much, you know, of anything, good thing or bad thing. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It uh, would be quite different. I mean, I, in a way, there was no choice. I mean, I, it was very clear that this is what, what I had to do. So I followed that. So I can't almost imagine what it would have been not doing it. Um, I mean, I, I, I would probably be in a space, you know, doing what I'm doing, but without all this, you know. But basically, my, my, my personality and my soul would be d disconnected from each other. That's, that's basically what it is, you know. And I mean, I, and, and the, the book launched the other day, I had, I had that question, you know, so what happened? And I was saying, well, the, the soul and personality one wasn't one path until like five, ten years ago, and then the soul said, well, it's now time to awake to something else in your life. And that path, path was now another path, and my personality was still on, on the original path. And, and basically what this five years have done is just brought my personality and my soul both in, both in alignment again. So it's as simple as that. If, uh, if I hadn't done this journey, I would be two, on two different paths, my personality on one path and my soul on another path with a massive disconnect and a massive emptiness and massive other disastrous effects to your to your life and to your relationships, you know, your family, your children, a lot of people close to you because you, you can't really be close or authentic with anyone else if you're not close and authentic with yourself. Um, so I think that's, that's in essence, you know, um, the, the beauty of the journey. It just brought it to an alignment. I couldn't agree more. If you can't have a relationship with yourself, you cannot have a relationship with someone else. And it's all relationships. Let's talk about, you know, life is relating. We're sure. relating all the time. You don't have to have sex with someone to be having a relationship. Um, so I'm not going to ask you where to from here. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> no, I do. But I'm sure you've been asked that a lot. Yeah. What I want to know, one of the last questions is, I can ask you what's the biggest lesson But what I want to say is, or ask, what is the biggest misconception that you finally realized after this journey? Let me think about that. <laughs> okay. And while you think about that, I'm going to just uh, punt your book one more time. So Leonard Lowe's book, Jump, a Memoir. An epic travel and soul adventure, incredible book, now out in bookstores. And it's not all, I mean, we've spoken a lot about the, um, the mindfulness, the awareness, the, the, the travel journeys and all the experiences that you had of spiritual awareness and opening, etc. Um, but there's loads of um, funny, funny, enlightening, hysterical parts actually earlier on. I mean, there's a chapter about how you broke your cock. Yes, everybody, I said it. He broke his cock, and it's a true story. And if you want to know what happened, yes, you can break your cock. Chapter three. <laughs> chapter three in the book. And as I say that, men are like... <laughs> 
curdling inside at the idea of breaking their penises. But yes, it can happen. It's fucking scary, and I'm sure it was bloody yeah. anal. It was fucking anal. <laughs> but have you got an answer to the question? I've got an answer to the question. There's a lot of detail in that chapter about, yeah, good God. Okay, read the chapter. <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think the, the biggest misconception I, you know, I think is, you know, for me is that, you know, while, you know, now that we're here to, to, you know, to make, a, to make money or build a security or leave a legacy and you know, all of that stuff or, or even, uh, you know, asking why, why we are, uh, you know, I think that's, that's the biggest con- misconception. People trying to figure out, I think that gets in the way of being here. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, I, I think we, you know, we, we here to experience life, you know, it's an experience and we came here to learn something and to experience something and to experience it, you you have to be in the moment and you have to be in the now. Um, so yeah, I think that's I think that's almost the biggest thing for me, and you know, I wish I knew that a long time ago. You know, we're not here for all those other reasons. You know, we really here this beautiful gift of life, um, and to make the m- most of it, and just to be present in every single moment of it uh, as much as we can. That's beautiful. And has it changed your your way of looking at sex? And there's nothing wrong with having romps and, you know, mind-blowing, crazy, you know, <coughs> episodes of, you know, fucking as opposed to making love. But has it changed no. your idea of it? Because we're not knocking any. There's nothing wrong. Sure. But what's, your, what's the difference now for you? I think, I think for me now is that, that I really want to have a heart connection <laughs> when I have sex. It's kind of, kind of quite obvious, but in some way, but in some way it's not that obvious for, for a lot of people and, and, for, and, and, and was definitely not for me. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with having threesomes. I don't think there's anything wrong with fucking your brain tight. Uh, I think it's great if you can do it with an open heart and you can do it with like, you know, connecting at a deep level with, with the person or the people you're doing it, it with, you know. And you're not cheating. Uh, and you're not cheating. Yes, you're not cheating, and it's very un- 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 authentic. You know, you, you, it's if you're authentic with the, with, with the people you're with, and you and you're connecting on a on a on a, on a heart space, and you um, and you and, and you realize you're actually making love to the to the spirit of this person. It's fucking deep. You know, when you really get into how deep we are connecting, we're making love. It's fucking crazy. It's scary. It's deep. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's it's creation. It's yeah. It's vulnerable. It's like I mean, hugely vulnerable. It's like getting. That's the best way to to know God is to make love to someone with an open heart. And you know, to, to get into contact with the creation and and you know and 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 yourself. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's the that's the. I think there's space for all kind of kind of, of ways of making love. You know, whether it's gentle and whether it's like really fucking hard. It's nothing. I think it's beautiful. I think the heart connection and the spirit connection. I think you know that's that's uh, that's beautiful if you you can do it from that place from that place. So you define the person that you can have that authentic heart opening heart space with. I agree. I want you to read this beautiful. Um, <coughs> it's not half a page. Um, part of the book near the back. Um, it sums up so much and. Um, it's just written beautifully, and I would like to go out with the <coughs> listeners hearing you in your words in this beautiful book that you've written, Leonard Lowe's Jump, a memoir. So from with no plans. Yeah, I want to give you the torch. Oh, great. <coughs> with no plans, no goals, no destination, no map, 
I had set off on my journey, only a backpack and an open heart. I was aware that my goalless approach went against everything in popular belief. So many motivational speakers, coaches, teachers and gurus expound on the virtues of setting your goals and believing in yourself to go, 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 get what you want. But I was more interested in surrender rather than control. I wanted to fully see what existence had to offer, what else I had committed to do before coming to this life and this place. That required less goal setting and more deep listening. Listening is difficult. It's far easier to set goals and to talk. <clears throat> but once all the fearful internal chatter had died down, I was finally able to listen. I found the place of surrender. And then the magic happened. I began to live in the flow, following the energy, seeing where it led me. I began discovering the world anew, seeing it through unfiltered eyes. With every step I took, I began to discover me, because every step required a direction. That direction was born out of living the moment and listening carefully, listening to the voice, listening to my heart, listening to my soul, listening to existence. The whispers were there. They had always been. As I stood out, as I stood and looked out over the wild, barren landscape, over the sand dunes and rocks, at the sun setting in the distance over the Atlantic, the following familiar words came back to me. Up to here, you had free will, some control of your life. You were living life. But from here on, it will be different. Life will be living you. Absolutely beautifully written. And it's very difficult to follow on from there. So what I'd like to say with the last minute or so is to, to thank you. I'm very grateful that you found the time and, and this, we had the synchronicity and the synergy to um, have you on as my first guest. And what a perfect word to describe the energy surrounding what I'm trying to create with Bareback Stories. I've literally jumped into my first podcast today with you, launched, who's just launched your book, uh, Jump, a memoir, Leonard Lowe. Thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute privilege to meet you. Thanks to uh, Leon and Paul. They, they, listening, they know who put us together. And uh, thank, to, thank you to all the listeners. The podcast will be up. Uh, if you've missed any of it and you'd like to listen to it again, up on the website, theeye.tv. Bareback Stories will be every alternate Tuesday. Uh, yeah, Tuesday. It's Tuesday today, right? Tuesday. It is Tuesday at 3.30 to 5.00. Here on the it.tv and alternating with my other show with Bertie, we have our show called Exposed, which is every alternate Tuesday, same time, 3.30 to 5. So come on over and join in the conversation on Facebook and Instagram. If you have any other questions, if you'd like to get hold of um, Leonard, you can contact me, you can contact uh, Leonard. And are you are going to be launching it in Johannesburg, right? Ooh. Let people know. Yeah, yeah, we're launching in, uh, in Johannesburg on the 3rd of uh, July, which is next Wednesday at Love Books in Melville at, uh, I think it's 6.30, yeah, 6.30 next Wednesday. So if you're in Johannesburg, please come around. It would be great meeting you. Thanks, Leonard. And yeah, everyone in Joburg, please go out and support his book. Everyone, go and buy this book. You know, and is it probably be on Kindle, but it's nothing like reading a book and turning pages. Thank you all for listening. And I will uh, will be here next week with Bertie for Exposed and back in two weeks with Bareback Stories. Thanks so much. Ciao for now.
complain the same thing, it's fine.